basically when I was in high school, they were building a regional campus for Indiana University and Purdue University in Fort Wayne, where I'm from, at IUPU, Fort Wayne. And so when I was in high school, everybody was in our senior year was talking about, oh, I think I'm going to go to either IU or PU out of the regional campus because it was just like an extension of high school, essentially. So I thought, well, at that point, you know, in an earlier, like in my sophomore, junior year, I just figured I'd get a job at a factory in Fort Wayne and work in a factory and build tractors or whatever, uh, international harvester. And, uh, but I thought, well, you know, I like school and I, why don't I just go ahead and go on to college? So I decided to do that. Well, you have to take a SAT test for your, whatever you want to major. So I thought, well, I guess I'll try to major in chemistry. And as it turns out, if you major in chemistry, basically what chemists do is figure out how to make things out of oil. So I took the SAT test for chemistry, and when I took it, I remember that on a, on a Saturday. And I took it, and I thought, oh my gosh, it's like I had no idea what they were talking about most of the questions. So I went to register at, at, at Purdue, uh, the extension in Fort Wayne, and they said, well, what do you want to major in? I said, well, chemistry, I guess. And they said, well, sorry, you can't major in chemistry. Your SAT scores were too low. And I said, well, well, how about biochemistry? Okay, you can do that. So that's how I became a biochemist. I'm so happy because biochemistry is such a fascinating area. I mean, how, how life works, you know. So I'm so thrilled that I ended up uh, in biochemistry rather than chemistry. Our guest today has dedicated his life to creating products in the medical space that can help improve the quality of life of others. One of the most notable is founding Dexcom, a company currently valued at over $30 billion. Hear about Dr. John Bird's latest product and the journey that brought him to where he is today. The Founders Podcast. Listen to the stories of how everyday extraordinary people start amazing businesses. Hear how they overcome the odds and find success in the entrepreneurial world. The up and down, the good and the bad, and everything in between. And now, your hosts, Jordan Hansen and Brandon Minard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Founders Pod. I'm Jordan Hansen, and I'm here with my co-host, Brandon Miner. Hello, Brandon. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Really excited for today's guest. We have Dr. John Bird here with us. Dr. Bird, hello. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited. I'm just going to do a quick introduction of Dr. Bird. He has a very illustrious, prestigious career. It's especially of interest to me because he's worked a lot in the industry of, of diabetes. Um, and my wife has a, is a diabetic, so it's really interesting to me. Um, he actually was the original founder and CEO of a company called Dexcom, which is interesting also because my wife has a Dexcom and she uses it right now. Um, currently, he is the founder and CEO of Lysolin LLC and Wonderspray Inc. 
And you can learn more about that. We will learn more about that during the course of this interview. Um, but you can find that at Lysolin.com or DrBirdWonderspray.com. But Dr. Bird, um, always when we start with our guests, we like to have, you know, our moms, you know, Brandon and I, we have mothers and they like to listen to the podcast. And sometimes they don't understand what the profession, you know, what our guest does. And so if you could explain for our mothers to help them understand what you do, uh, we'd love that. Could you give us a quick introduction of what you do? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I have a PhD in biochemistry, so I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a PhD doctor. I got that from the University of Wisconsin back in the 70s. And my first job out of, uh, after I got my PhD, was at the Ames Division of Miles Laboratories in Indiana. And I'm from Indiana originally, born and raised there. So I was working at Ames, and Ames was the first company that had products for people that had trouble with managing their blood sugar and had diabetes. And their first product was a urine dipstick product that they could dip in their urine. And if you've got glucose in your urine, that's not a good thing because your body tries to keep the glucose in your body. So your kidneys don't excrete uh, glucose until it gets above like 200 milligrams per deciliter or something. So uh, that was my first job. So there was always, every time the company at a meeting, there was always a lot of talk about this new diabetes program at the company developing the, the urine tests and, and then subsequently the finger stick blood test so you could know what your blood sugar was at, right at that moment in time. So that was back in the 70s and it, you know it was a problem then, but it's a huge problem now thanks to our government and the food industry and the pharmaceutical industry and the medical community and that crazy food pyramid that they published back in 1980, which mm -hmm. recommends a high carbohydrate, low fat diet. That's totally upside down. And we all need glucose to help us manage our energy needs because uh, glucose gets into our cells thanks to insulin. Insulin is the hormone your pancreas makes that helps glucose get into your uh, cells to produce energy. So we all need it. But unfortunately, that's the good news about glucose. The bad news is it's a toxic chemical. And glucose toxicity is a term I had never heard before 2017 when a colleague of mine said I should work on something important like glucose toxicity. And so I researched it. And sure enough, I discovered that glucose in our body is a reactive chemical. It's like cyanide almost. It reacts with every protein in your body. And proteins make up all the most of our body mass. Then it, if glucose reacts with it, it reacts with like hemoglobin. Uh, if it reacts with hemoglobin, one of the things it forms is hemoglobin A1C. And that's the uh, the test that doctors use to see how well your blood sugar management is. It is an A1C test. And uh, uh, so I looked into that. I said, well, how can I keep glucose from reacting with the proteins in your eyes and your nerve endings and your blood vessels and your kidneys? And uh, the answer turned out to be fairly simple. Uh, put something in there to soak up that excess glucose and that's where I came up with the formulation for lysulin. And lysulin basically has glucose, zinc, and vitamin C as the primary ingredients. 
So that was in 2017. So I discovered that uh, possibility that that would that would be an effective product to lower blood sugar and help manage, you know, for people with diabetes, help them manage that. And so I wrote some patents. I now have seven patents issued on that formulation. I also wrote a book, which is The Natural Solution to the Diabetes Epidemic, The Discovery of Lysholm. It's on Amazon. And it basically tells the story that I just gave you, that this, you know the reason we got all these problems is thanks to this conspiracy between government, food industry, pharma, and the medical community. You know, If you look at starting in 1980, if you have a graph of 1980 to the current time, and you look at obesity and diabetes, they both have skyrocketed. You look around now and you see people who are obese, diabetic, uh, hooked on multiple prescription drugs, and still sick. It's a pathetic situation, you know. And type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease, so that's something where your body attacks your pancreas and you need to take insulin shots. Well, type 2 diabetes is really a lifestyle diabetes or diet problem. And Lysolin is the only product that targets the cause of insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. And we've got clinical studies that prove all of that. I'm saying I'm not just making this up. Right. The other thing about, uh, so Lysolin is a nutritional supplement. And here's Lysolin looks like. We're changing the label on the bottle, but that's, you know, it's available as capsules, tablets, liquid powder. And we also recently launched a shake, which you can use as a meal replacement shake, chocolate or vanilla. And these are all available online at Leishland.com. And they were available at Amazon and Walmart, but we got a warning letter from the FDA in last September that said we were making drug claims. So we've changed our labeling to get rid of all the mention of diabetes and prediabetes on the labels. Uh, but it's still it's the same product. It's just a different label. Unfortunately, getting back on Amazon is almost impossible. They basically blackballed us, even though the FDA has written us a resolution letter saying that our new labeling is fine. Amazon, we can't get it back on Amazon, so we're jumping through hoops trying to figure out how to do that because that really hurt our sales. We had a huge drop in sales in September of last year when that happened to us. So, Sure. So anyway, that's uh, kind of how I, I got here today and along that path. Uh, as you mentioned, I was the founder and CEO of Dexcom, which is a great product helping over 2 million people to better manage their diabetes health. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's a great product. I wish it was not quite so expensive. So continuous glucose monitoring is kind of the big deal in diabetes today, where instead of pricking your finger and finding out what your glucose is right at that moment in time, you can measure it continuously and just look at your phone at any time and see what your glucose level is without pricking your finger. So it was a real breakthrough, and I'm so happy that I found the technology actually at the University of Wisconsin, and we started a company to commercialize it. A follow-up question, if you don't mind, Dr. Bird. Yeah. So question I have is the Lysolin, that's the company that you started. And is that, you know, one that has just you? Are you manufacturing everything uh, 
here? Or what, what type of setup is the Lysolin company? Yeah, the company itself, basically, we've only got two employees. Uh, well, three, I don't, but I don't get paid anything. Unfortunately, I have to pay everything. I don't get paid. So uh, I have a chief financial officer who's also my chief operating officer. Uh, he and one employee manage the warehouse. And we don't manufacture anything. We use contract manufacturers in the United States, and we have two of them that make our products for us. And as I said, it's all, all, all the ingredients are carefully checked to make sure that they're, they're all don't have toxic chemicals in them and so on. And as I think, as I may have mentioned, Lysolin works per- perfect for seventy percent of people who use it. Unfortunately, it doesn't work for a hundred percent. So there's thirty percent that, for whatever reason, we can't figure out why. Don't see the benefit. It may be because the lysine and zinc and vitamin C don't get from the gut into the bloodstream properly. And that could be a, a microbiome situation that certain people don't have the right bugs to get that, disallow that from getting into their bloodstream. But if it works for you, it works great. And I hate to hear that people with type 2 diabetes get put on insulin shots because that is like a one-way street. Once you start insulin, the reason that type 2s need insulin is because they have insulin resistance. So they take an insulin shot. It helps them a little bit. You know, it'll lower your blood sugar, but you'll need more and more and more because your insulin resistance gets worse and worse and worse. And that's because the glucose in your bloodstream is reacting with both the insulin and the receptor on the cell so that the key no longer fits in the lock and the glucose can't get into your cells. It stays in your bloodstream and leaves you with high blood sugar. Yeah. I mentioned the A1C test. We, in addition to selling Lysolin, we also sell a home test for A1C. Uh, so you can actually cool. do it at home yourself. You don't have to go to a lab. And again, it's a little finger sticking. It, it takes five minutes to get your A1C result. So you don't have to fuss around getting a doctor's order and going to a lab and all that. And that product is FDA cleared as equivalent to the laboratory test. It's a perfect companion product for Lysolin, so you can test yourself before you start. A month later, check your A1C again, and if you're one of those 70% that it works for, you'll see your A1C has dropped in just one month. That's great. Yeah. So I'm actually curious, if you don't mind, you mentioned that you grew up in Indiana. I'm actually curious about your upbringing and what led you to going into the field of study and the areas you're in. So... Which part of Indiana did you grow up in? Northwest Indiana. And, you know, basically people will talk, well, which states have more diabetes problems than others? And basically it's everywhere. Everywhere there's a McDonald's, there's a problem with diabetes. So uh, I was actually named after an uncle who had diabetes and died of the complications of diabetes. So that was my introduction to diabetes. And then when I went to work for the Ames Division of Miles Labs, they were, had diabetes products for people with diabetes, so I knew that it was a problem, and I yeah. learned about it from my experience there. Did you have siblings you grew up with? Yeah, I have. Uh, actually, there were five of us. There's uh, four boys and a girl, and as everybody's aged, uh, I've got a lot of family members who have. Uh, 
managed to develop diabetes. And my brother's uh, a few years older than I am. And he, when we launched the product in 2018, he emailed me and said, oh my gosh, I just went to the doctor and I've got diabetes. And I said, of course, his doctor wrote him a prescription, which is what doctors do, love to prescribe medicine. And I said, Charlie, leave the cap on the bottle, try Lysolin, let's see what it helped. And it helped him. So he was at, had an A1C of 7.5 uh, in January. And, and by that summer, he was down in the fives. So he never had to open that bottle of medicine. Well, that's, so that's awesome. Sorry for me. Yeah. What did, what did your parents do growing up? Uh, my father was a, an electrician. He worked for the electric company there in Indiana. He was a line man. And uh, my mom actually uh, was a telephone repair person. So she oh, really? did telephone repair. Yeah. So they both worked, you know, and our company, our family never had two nickels to rub together. So, uh, so what was your motivation? I mean, that's a different, you know, area than what you went to for sure. I mean, did you have motivation to go into medical or go into anything outside of what your parents did? Or did your parents talk to you about, Hey, look, John, don't do what we're doing. You know, what was that like? That's funny you asked that question because I've got a whole story around how I got here today. And uh, basically when I was in high school, they were building a regional campus for Indiana University and Purdue University in Fort Wayne, where I'm from, at IUPU, Fort Wayne. And so when I was in high school, everybody was in our senior year was talking about, oh, I think I'm going to go to either IU or PU out at the regional campus because it was just like an extension of high school, essentially. So I thought, well, at that point, you know, in an earlier, like in my sophomore, junior year, I just figured I'd get a job at a factory in Fort Wayne and work in a factory and build tractors or whatever, uh, international harvester. And, uh, but I thought, well, you know, I like school and I, why don't I just go ahead and go on to college. So I decided to do that. Well, you have to take a SAT test for your, whatever you want to major. So I thought, well, I guess I'll try to major in chemistry. And as it turns out, if you major in chemistry, basically what chemists do is figure out how to make things out of oil. You know, that's basically what a chemist, most chemist jobs are working at oil refineries, figuring out how to make new, new things out of oil. So I took the SAT test for chemistry, and when I took it, I remember that on a on a Saturday, and I took it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it's like I had no idea what they were talking about, most of the questions. So I went to register at, at, at Purdue, uh, the extension in Fort Wayne, and they said, well, what do you want to major in? And I said, well, chemistry, I guess. And they said, well, sorry, you can't major in chemistry. Your SAT scores were too low. And I said, well, well, how about biochemistry? They said, okay, you can do that. So that's how I became a biochemist. <laughs> I'm so happy because biochemistry is such a fascinating area. I mean, how how life works, you know. So I'm so thrilled that I ended up uh, in biochemistry rather than chemistry. What was your experience going through studying biochemistry? Did you, as you were studying and learning and growing did you have any aspirations to start your own business or or just get jobs in the sector and grow in that area no i really didn't have much of an idea about what i was going to do when i grew up you know the uh 
And I, I didn't really know about graduate school until I went down to the main campus at Purdue in my junior year. And uh, there I, I worked with a, one of the professors in his laboratory on a, on, a the, on a junior thesis. And so I got to go into his lab and do biochemistry work in his laboratory. And there I met graduate students, and that's where I got introduced to graduate school. So I did okay in college, and so I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, continue. So I went to, to graduate school, and I got a, uh, a grant fund funding for, to, paid for graduate school. So I basically just kept going and going, and that's how I just ended up by just felt putting one foot in front of the other. Nice. What kind of jobs did you have as you were growing up? Yeah, well, in high school, I worked at the newspaper company. I worked in uh, both in the printing room and in the mail room downstairs where the papers come down and get bundled into papers. And that was a night job. So I'd go to work at like 11 o'clock at night until two in the morning in high school uh, just to put some save a little bit of money. And then I had summer jobs working in a warehouse. And one one summer I worked at a Indiana Rod and Wire, which was really a terrible job where these uh, they'd bring copper in and they'd heat it up and make wire out of it and uh, I did that and then in, when I was in college as an undergraduate I worked in the library there again just to pick up a few bucks so just miscellaneous this and that jobs and then when I went to graduate school I got a master's degree and then I uh, took off after my master's degree on a motorcycle trip for three months and ended up back at my folks in Fort Wayne and landed a job at Ames Division of Miles Laboratory where I got uh, to do biochemistry in the, in the lab, working on the development of tests for the clinical laboratory primarily while I was there. And then they also helped pay uh, for my I went back to graduate school to get my PhD, then I got another grant, and I also got a grant from Miles Lab. So when I finished my degree, I went back there and worked for five years before I headed west. And you can remember the late 70s is when Genentech started and all these startups started about people getting involved in startups and getting stock grants and making some money with stock grants. So I was eager to head west, so I joined a company that had a blood allergy testing product. And that's actually where I learned about the business of medicine because it was a great product. If you have allergies, uh, basically allergists to find out what you're allergic to will do skin prick testing. Well, it turns out you can get that same information from a blood sample, uh, but allergists were dead set against that from happening because they're basically their whole livelihood was based upon the skin testing and then giving shots afterwards. So we could not get that product reimbursed. And I always say there's some two big hurdles in the U.S. to product innovation are the FDA, where you've got to get their clearance, and then getting insurance reimbursement for a product because everybody expects to get all their tests and everything for free. They think it's free, but somebody somewhere is paying for it. And uh, it's hard getting new products reimbursed and like Lysulin, uh we don't get the, the medic, uh, reimbursement doesn't cover vitamins and supplements so people have to pay out of pocket fortunately it's 
it's only a buck a day. So if you're one of the 70% it works for, it's money well spent. Yeah. So I'm curious to talk about, you said that you learned about the business of medicine and that must've been a new experience for you because you were working in labs, you were doing back, back end testing and development. What was that experience like and how did that shape your path moving forward? Well, basically it just gave me a clue that if I was going to start a new company, basically when you look for investment for a company, you need to have a product that's going into a big market. So there's a big market for the test and you need to have patents if possible to protect you from others copying what you're doing. And then you have to have a management group that knows what they're doing. And like at Dexcom, when I started Dexcom, I worked on developing, helping get the product developed. But then we hired a new CEO to replace me at Dexcom, who was a sales and marketing genius. His name is Andy Razdell. And I always tell folks that Andy's the guy that really brought the val- the value to the company by working on the uh, the needle sensor, which is the current Dexcom product. When I started the company, we'd hoped to actually have a, a long-term continuous glucose monitor, which would be something that would be implanted by a physician. And it was pretty big when we, the prototypes we had were pretty large, but we were able to get permission to implant those and some volunteers. And that was enough to raise more money. Well, and then we hired Andy Razdell and he convinced the company to stop working on that long-term sensor and work on the short-term sensor. And now there's like uh, three companies that have those types of continuous glucose monitors. Dexcom is the leader. Uh, Medtronic is uh, one of the other two. And Abbott also has a system now called the Abbott Libre that's a continuous monitor. But Dexcom seems to outperform both those other two products. I'm also involved with a company in Florida that has a non-invasive continuous glucose monitor that doesn't have any needles associated with it at all. It's just like a wristwatch you wear. And it uses radio wave technology to measure your glucose levels. And that company is ready to start clinical studies to get FDA clearance for that product. But they, like me, are continuously looking for investors. And I'll tell you, I made some investors at just a boatload of money at Dexcom, where when we started, it had a million dollar market value. And it's now, when it went public, it was 500 million. And now it's valued at over 40 billion with a B. And unfortunately, all those folks that just made all that money can't find a shekel to throw my way to help me with my two companies that I've started in the last five years and self-funding these companies. And it's getting old. I mean, my wife is always telling me I've got to like cut bait on one or both of these projects because, you know, we're basically just driving our way to the poorhouse, keeping them going. But the products are such fantastic products. And I just, you know, so I'm looking see if I can find somebody to invest or even acquire Lysolin or Wonderspray. So, okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious, up. what, what got you into Dexcom? Like, where did it, where did your path go from allergy testing into the diabetic world or glucose monitoring world? Yeah. Well, I, I started, uh, when I came West, as I mentioned, I came West and worked for that blood allergy testing company and I was there 
they hired me as VP of R&D, and then I was chief operating officer for a couple of years. And then we hired somebody to replace me as president at that company. And and uh, then uh, after a year or so, I got the boot there, and I got a offer from Quidel in San Diego. And Quidel's a company that makes, uh, at the time, they were making a, a pregnancy tests for home use that was sold by Beckton Dickinson. So I worked at Quidel. I came in as VP of R&D, and I worked there for six years developing products for home testing and for clinical lab testing. And uh, then I decided to leave Quidel and start my own company. And my first company was called LXN, Lexan. And we had a uh, an idea to develop a test kind of like the hemoglobin A1C test, but it was a measured fructosamine instead of A1C. And it turns out fructosamine is in your blood serum. All of your proteins get glycated. And when they do get glycated, they form what's called this fructosamine bond. So we were able to measure that in uh, serum with a home home test. So we made a product called the Duet that measured both the blood glucose and the fructosamine. So for people with type 2 diabetes, an individual blood glucose test doesn't really tell you much. You don't know if you're going up or going down or you're flat. Whereas fructosamine, gives again, gives your average blood sugar over the previous week or two. So it's a shorter time frame than the hemoglobin, which is over one to three months. And uh, so... We started that company and I raised a bunch of money and ended up again hiring a new CEO. And that company was eventually sold to J&J and I left. And when I left, my boss at Quidel had started a venture capital firm in San Diego called Windermere Venture Partners. And he asked me if I wanted to join. And I did. And we knew that we wanted to do something in diabetes. So I did a road trip looking at all kinds of small companies and universities to see what they were doing in the diabetes area to, to develop products there. And I found this group in Wisconsin that had this implantable long-term glucose sensor, which we liked. And we started a new company, raised a million bucks. And that was, we called the company Dexcom. So we were off to the races. So it just came as a result of my being involved with the venture capital investments. And Windermere had a philosophy that if you wanted our money, you had to take one of us as, managing the company. So I founded the company and I named the company and I was the first CEO there for three years, raised a round or two of money to keep it going. Yeah. So how did you come up with the name Dexcom? Uh, basically, I thought uh, we, we were trying, we had an implantable sensor that uh, transmitted your glucose readings to a, a pager at that point, because that was before cell phones. So I thought, well, another name for glucose is dextrose. So it basically means dextrose communication. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty sensible name. And uh, it's funny because I went to the people at uh, Dexcom when I launched Lyshalin to try to get them interested in Lyshalin because it's a perfect product for all of their, especially type 2 and type 1 uh, people to use to help them improve their insulin resistance and lower the amount of insulin that they need. But they had no interest at all in helping me. And basically they were just focused on their 
continuous glucose business monitoring business. Uh, but the CEO there didn't know where the name Dexcom came from either. So I educated him. Another great story about Dexcom is when we launched the company, we had to get the technology out of the University of Wisconsin and get it shipped here to San Diego. So we started uh, the first uh, Dexcom International Headquarters was in Madison. It was in the basement of a, a dentist's office there. So I hired a few people from uh, from San Diego to go out to Madison to help me. So we had like a little dorm room there, uh, um, uh, a uh, an apartment. We rented an apartment, and there were like four or five of us that stayed in that apartment. And then we, every morning we'd go to work at the underneath the dentist's office and get the technology there. And we got it out, moved it to San Diego, and that's where it's been ever since. So that's a pretty good story. Yeah, that's awesome. Were you married at the time? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and so I'm curious, during this time where you were starting businesses, it sounds like you had an ambition to build companies and go out on your own. Was that a driving or a motivating factor in your life at that time? Yeah. Basically, as I said, back when Genetech, you know, went public and made all those founders multimillionaires, you know, everybody had stars in their eyes. And I've, I've still got, although you can't see my eyes very well, the, uh, I've still got stars in my eyes to uh, basically my new mantra is to develop natural products for big healthcare problems. And that's where both Lysolin comes in and my other company, which is Wonder Spray, uh, comes into play. And I got interested in Wonder Spray because it's, the active ingredient is what your white blood cells use to kill all pathogens, bacteria, virus, yeast, mold, and fungus. It also is on the EPA, EPA list because it kills coronavirus. So oh. it kills COVID-19. And uh, the reason I got interested in it is because that the ingredient, which is called hypochlorous, it's H-O-C-L, and that's the chemical structure, hydrogen, oxygen, chlorine, uh, is what your white blood cells use to kill all germs. And there are products on the market for wound healing. And if you have diabetes and you have wounds on your feet and legs that don't heal, there's two reasons. One is your circulation is not any good because glycation has messed up all of your blood vessels and blood doesn't circulate properly. Uh, but secondly, in the wound bed, our germs grow. You know, if you don't, heal a wound it's going to get bugs growing in it and you just spray wonder spray in there and it will kill those germs and allow that wound to heal but as it turns out wonder spray is good for so many ailments and people can't believe it it's like i don't know if you saw on my uh my something greek wedding my my big my fat greek wedding like it's like windex like windex it cured everything you know and, and that's unfortunately People can't believe that it works like it does, but I've got so many testimonials from people that have had just terrible skin problems that have been fixed with uh, uh, Wonder Spray. It's also good for allergy symptoms, and you can spray it you know, on your skin. The FDA allows you to spray it on your skin anywhere, and it also allows you to use it in your mouth. You can use it for halitosis and gingivitis, but uh, if you have a sore throat, you can just spray it in your throat and it will immediately, it's 
pain reliever. It will immediately make your throat feel better, and it will kill whatever's trying to make you sick. So it's just an incredible product, and nobody knows about it. It's like a, a secret, you know. But, uh, uh, but I'm trying to do the best I can. Yeah, Jordan, you got a question? Yeah, I do. So it sounds hard to start a durable medical device company. That sounds difficult. So what were some of the biggest challenges you faced when you started Dexcom? Like that first year, what was the biggest problem? What was the biggest challenge? Well, it was proving that it could work. And, you know, again, we started with this long-term implantable. So as you may imagine, doing clinical studies to prove that you could implant this and it would work for nine months or a year, you had to wait that long to see if it worked. And we, we started with five volunteers. We had FDA allowed us to put five of these in folks and they, we built a little satchel that they carried around that would collect the data that was being generated. And fortunately, one out of the five, it actually worked for a year. So that us to, was enough to allow us to raise the next round of money. So it was basically just product development was the biggest challenge. And then when the new CEO came in, he took all of that inf information that we developed on the long term and applied it to the needle sensor and was able in an incredibly short period of time to develop the needle sensor using the chemistry that we had developed for the long term sensor. So then once that's done, it's basically just build the next generation, and the next generation, because the first generation, you still had to do finger sticks to calibrate the sensor and you had to do that like once a day or something like that well now you don't have to do that at all it's calibrated at the factory and that's again what we're hoping to be able to do with this non-invasive continuous glucose monitoring is people don't have to do finger sticks anymore and i'm used to pricking my finger for all the products i've been involved with so it doesn't bother me that much but i know it's if i had to do it four or five times a day i would definitely get tired of it because it hurts you know your fingers get sore on the ends it's no fun yeah what did you after dexcom you said you you left that company and where what year was that and where did you go following yeah i left in about 2004 before the ipo before the company went public i left and i continued to look for other opportunities and i, I I'm on the board of a few other little companies and I'm on the board of this non-invasive glucose company as an example. And then in 2009, I had a motorcycle accident that basically put me in the hospital uh, for a month and they induced a coma because I had a subdural hematoma. So they put me in a coma for a month. So when I woke up, I always tell people, I felt like when I woke up, I'd left Shangri-La because when I went in there, I was in my mid-60s. When I went in, I felt like a 30-year-old, you know, had a lot of spunk and energy and loved to ride on motorcycles with my friends and stuff. And when I woke up, I had broken my pelvis. So I was in a wheelchair and I had to go through rehab for this brain subdural hematoma. So fortunately, I, you know, I could have easily died uh, from that, but... I fortunately made it through that, but it basically put me into a sort of retirement because I couldn't, you know, work, get up and do eight to five work 
stuff. So I was sort of forced into retirement, which I hated. You know, people who are looking forward to retirement, I'm not exactly sure why, because working is so much more gratifying than not working. So I got really busy in 2017 when I got an email from one of my co-founders that told me to work on something important like glucose toxicity. So that's where I got the idea for Dexcom, and that's where I ended up to this point. So with all your experience and with everything you've gone through, what's your plans with lysine and the Wonder Spray? What do you envision moving forward? Well, I'm hoping actually to uh, just continue to spread the word so that we can get more and more folks using these great products. And again, uh, the companies themselves either could be acquired by another company or we possibly could go public. I've got shareholders. I've got people that have put some money into the company, friends and family, mostly using my money uh, to keep these companies going. And uh, so either an IPO or an acquisition. And I think this is probably, uh, I'm probably not going to get too much involved in starting more new companies. Unless, of course, I hear about a great, a great idea that needs somebody like me to help it get off the ground. That's so, great. We'll see. So I have a, I have some questions to follow up. You know, you have so much experience, Dr. Bird, in not only starting companies, running companies, innovating. What rec- What counsel would you give to um, medical students, biomedical students coming out of college saying, I want to follow Dr. Bird's footsteps. I want to, I want to start companies. I want to go out on my own. What counsel would you give them that's important for them to know? Well, if you want to start a company, basically you need investment because all this work requires you pay consultants and lawyers. I mean, our legal bills are unbelievable, you know. Uh, so uh, basically... If you've got a, a good idea, you need those three things that I mentioned. It's got to be a product for a big market so that you serve an important need in helping whatever that uh, market place is and that ever, whoever that person is that needs to buy that product. You need to file patents on it. If you don't have patents, you know, you're going to have a hard time getting investors because people can copy what you're doing easily enough. So you need a big product in a big market with patents covering the product. And you need to find people, either consultants, the, to help you manage the company, especially in the beginning. And then, again, when you start out, you need somebody like me that knows about product development. And then once you get the product development, you need to find somebody like I need uh, to do your marketing and selling. And I've used consultants for all of our marketing and sell sales activities. And I, I keep going through them. They make big promises, but many of them don't produce. So I've got a few that I'm working with now that seem like they're doing a fairly decent job. But we're still spending more than we're bringing in. And really, like I said, I've only got two employees. So uh, I don't need that much product sales to cover expenses, but I need 
more than I'm doing. I need twice as much, at least, than I'm doing today. And to sell more, you need to advertise more, and that's all expensive. So everything's expensive. Sure. Question to you on a, on a side note or on a, on a different note. It, a conversation Jordan and I have quite often is about healthcare and, and the problems that we face and our children face as far as staying healthy and, and growing with a healthy mindset. What do you think are the biggest obstacles for our country in solving some of these healthcare issues? Uh, like yeah. diabetes and and other you know forms that plague our society every day. Yeah, I basically, I have a I have a personal website which is jfbird.com and it needs a password to get in there. But in there, I have a little PDF on what I say are the the causes of disease, and I basically say that almost all diseases have are caused by two. One, one or the other or both of these ideas. One is pathogens. We know that germs cause health problems, you know, like bacteria, virus, yeast, mold, and fungus can cause all sorts of problems. And the other one is glucose toxicity. And that's the cause of insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. So now I've got products that target both of those causes of disease. I mean, for glucose management problems, it's lysolin. And for pathogens, it's wonder spray. It kills everything. So you can keep yourself safe and healthy by uh, getting off carbs. Food is the best medicine. And that's why, you know, if you look at the Eskimos, before they were westernized, they had no diabetes. They just basically ate meat and fat. And so they didn't have any diabetes when McDonald's showed up. Now they have diabetes as bad or worse than anyone. And the American Indian is the same story. When they got westernized, they have terrible problems with diabetes. And that's just a crazy high-carbohydrate diet. So I'm a big fan of the keto diet, Atkins diet, that sort of thing. So that's my recommendation. Well, that's incredible. I really appreciate all of your insight. You've had such an incredible career. You've done so many different things. I think Lysolin and the Wonder Spray and those products out there can, you know, Jordan has said that he's anxious to try some of those with, you know, his family and our families combined. Um, Any further questions for you, Jordan? No, I appreciate having you on, Dr. Bird. Uh, It's been really great and it's been fascinating to hear your story. Well, thank you so much. And again, I think you're going to give folks my contact information. I'm happy to give folks samples of both products if they if they need them. So great. I'm here to help people to better health. So I hope I can do that. Perfect. And to get a hold of it's Dr. John Bird and his information. He was gracious enough to share with us. So you can email him at jbird at jfbird.com. That's bird, B-U-R-D. So jbird at jfbird.com also left his phone number. So phone number at 619-992-2873. You could check Dr. Bird out at thewonderspray.com, his website there. Also lysolin.com, that's L-Y-S-U-L-I-N.com. Dr. Bird also has a book. 
in search of natural support, diabetes, well-being, the discovery of Lysolin. You can look at that on Amazon or other locations where you find books. But overall, reach out to him. You can find him on LinkedIn and on the different uh, social platforms. So we appreciate Dr. Bird joining us today. And thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. I'm glad to have you help me spread the word about these fabulous products. Perfect. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Founders Podcast. Be sure to follow the host on Twitter. Search at Jord B. Hansen and at Brandon Minot to discuss more. Also, be sure to visit thefounderspod.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.